Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Hi, and welcome to episode number 254 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. You know, I'm not sure I've ever been more happy to sit down behind this mic as right now. I'm sorry for the the long delay between episodes, but we've had an incredibly busy spring. Uh, The whole Essential Tennis team was out in California for Indian Wells in March. We did a lot of clinics. We worked with a private student. We did a a meetup on the grounds of the BMP Paraba. And again and again, when I talk to players that have been following Essential Tennis and they're really, really enthusiastic and they appreciate what we're doing, over and over I hear, I started with the podcast. (laughs) And I just, it it amazes me over and over when I meet people, when we go out and uh, talk to players, talk to fans. So those of you who are listening to my voice right now, thank you so much for for your support. Really appreciate it. Uh, I want to dedicate this episode to Bill D. He wrote me uh, an email recently. He said, I'm a high school tennis coach and you've helped me out in some of my own thinking about coaching. I'm also in communications in my other life and I think your production values are pretty good as well. Sometimes I come across a podcast that has decent content, but the speaker sounds as if he's in a tin can and I give up on it. Thanks for the work and keep it up. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Bill. Appreciate it. So today's podcast episode is going to answer an, an amazing question from Richard. He wrote to me recently and said, I'm back playing tennis at my local club, a small club in Dublin, Ireland, after more than a 20 year absence. In my youth, I was a very keen player, constantly looking to improve and make the school a team, spending whatever time I had trying to improve, hours doing serve practice, hours upon hours hitting against a wall, etc. Now with two young kids, four and three, and a full-time job, I have a renewed passion for playing and improving my tennis. To that end, I've set myself a goal of winning the club championship this summer. I've begun some coaching sessions. I'm taking notes of my potential opponents and practicing as much as I can whenever I've got time. My question is, how can I shape my preparations even more to give myself the best opportunity of doing well at achieving my goal? Wishing you and the team all the best. All right, Richard, awesome question. And so today we're going to talk about how to prepare for a tennis tournament. And I'd like to make a, a quick side note to those of you listening. This answer I, I've tailored specifically for Richard in his situation. Right now, yeah, we're almost in within the month of April 2017. And I, I shot Richard a quick reply and asked him when the term, tournament is. It's not until July. So we have three full months to get Richard as prepared as possible for this tournament. So how do we do that? And I'm going to actually make specific recommendations on weeks one and two, do this, and weeks three to whatever, do the other thing. So I'm going to actually lay out a plan for Richard. And so your specific situation scenario may be a little bit different. And what you're motivated by may be a little bit different. We're going to talk about that as well. The fundamental principles can apply to anybody. So listen carefully to how I'm going to lay this out and what the important factors are that you need to be aware of, and then you can apply the same principles to your own situation and scenario. So before we get to the specific plan for Richard, first, 
it's really, really important to be aware of and to think about the tension between improvement in our tennis and results on the courts. Those two things are, in principle, at odds with each other. And that's because the only way to make significant improvements in your tennis game is to do something fundamentally different than what you're doing now. If you do the same thing, then you'll get the same results. If you hit your forehand with the same technique, if you hit your volleys with the same technique, if you play the same patterns of play, if you have the same general strategy against opponents, you will have the same results. The only way to have fundamentally different, aka better results, is to leave what you're comfortable with now and do something that's improved. And that means doing something different that doesn't necessarily feel right or, quote, natural right away. And so, frequently doing something different means worse results at first because of that unnatural feeling, because of that discomfort at first it might feel like we're actually taking a step backwards and we may be actually doing that in reality. And there's a sacrifice in doing that. In leaving our comfort zone, there is sacrifice there. And not everybody's on the same page about which is more important. This is the first critical thing to be self-aware of. What do you value more on the tennis courts? Do you value improvements or do you value results, aka winning? Uh, if And just quickly, just as way of illustration, if you completely value one over the other, then that's fine. Just, just know that. Be aware of it and go all out. Go all in. So if you have total commitment to improvement, all you care about is executing your technique better than the time before. There's, there's a lot of people like that. They just love technique and they just want to look good. And they have a lot of joy and satisfaction in learning how to swing the racket a little bit better every single time. That means that um, you'll take your, your projects, your technique projects, and what you're working on into matches. And that means that you can't really care if you win or lose. As, and as long as you see technical improvements, then you're totally satisfied by that. But just realize you're making a trade-off there. If you're constantly working on something, then nothing is really completely confident and solid. And that means that your results are going to suffer on the courts. And again, important to be self-aware and know if, if that's the case for you, that's where you find the most joy, then don't, don't care if you win or lose. And just focus on your execution. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, we have a total commitment to winning. And that usually means for players, and this is much more common than uh, the other extreme, usually that means that you never leave your technical comfort zone. Because every time you step out onto the court, your, your only goal is to win that individual match, that individual day. I need to do whatever I can to win. And so you'll inevitably fall back on what you know, what you're most comfortable with. You never leave your comfort zone. And so that means that you'll win a lot at X level of play, but you'll likely never break through to a completely different level. And that's because you always do what you've always done. And so there's never any fundamental changes. Now, if that's you and you know that and you know that's you're totally, totally satisfied at the 3.5 level, never breaking through, but, but winning a lot at, at 3.5, then, then awesome. 
then it's amazing. I'm happy for you that you've discovered where you are personally satisfied in the game of tennis and you can just hang out there and just focus on winning and not care what your technique looks like or if even if it could be much better because you're totally comfortable being comfortable. <laughs> no judgment. Uh, it's not, not my personality, but there's a lot of people that it is their personality. So what if we have a mix? And it sounds like for Richard, that is absolutely the case. On one hand, uh, he set a goal of winning this tournament, but on the other, uh, he's, he's taking lessons. He's getting feedback. He wants input. He wants to do things better so that he can beat better players. And so he's somewhere in between those two extremes. Uh, and it'd be good, Richard, for you to think about where, kind of where exactly you fall on that sliding scale between improvement and and results and winning. So if you have a mix and we have a very kind of predefined uh, output that we're looking for here, Richard wants to win the tournament in July. So now we can start to actually plan out that period of time. And we, we know that he wants to maximize his results in both areas. Uh, he wants to improve as much as possible before July, but then he also wants to he wants to win the tournament. So we need to find a good rhythm to his practice so that we can maximize both results. And that means periodization. And period, periodization, if you're not familiar, I actually looked up the definition just so that I could, I could read it to you in case you're not familiar. Periodization is the systematic planning of athletic or physical training. The aim is to reach the best possible performance in the most important competition of the year. It involves progressive cycling of various aspects of a training program during a specific period. So uh, th this definition says, uh, you know, for a given year, um, but we can talk about periodization within the context of a month of training or three months in this case. We've got 12 weeks to prepare Richard. And so uh, we are going to split that, break up that 12-week that, uh, period as effectively as possible. So, so here's the plan, Richard. Weeks one and two are self-evaluation and identification of opportunities. And what opportunities means is things that you're currently lacking, things that you're deficient in. So during your first two weeks, and that's April, the first week of April and the second week of April, play as many matches as humanly possible against as many different opponents as humanly possible. And your goal here, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, your goal is the experience and your goal is to build self-awareness. And I want you to answer six questions, but it's actually three questions asked two different ways. Question number one, which opponents gave you the most trouble and why? Why was that? Question number two, which specific shots let you down the most and how? And what I mean by how, so let's say your answer is, well, my backhand let me down the most. Well, did you hit it into the net? Uh, were you late and so you missed wide uh, to, the, to the left as a, as a right-handed player? Uh, did you tend to float it and push it long? How was it that that specific shot let you down? And question number three, what patterns of play occurred most frequently to lose you points? So was it uh, your opponent's forehand down the line to your backhand? Uh, was it 
where you lost most frequently, your opponent approached the net and, and you just couldn't come up with a passing shot. What patterns of play occurred most frequently that led to you losing points? And then answer the same three questions, but in a positive way. So uh, which opponents gave you the least amount of trouble? Who were who you just able to dispatch of totally naturally and why? Which specific shots gave you the most success and how? And what patterns of play occurred to give you uh, a win, a win result in a point the most frequently? So answer those six questions. At the end of your two weeks, you should have very, very clear and very specific answers to all six of those questions. And now we have a very full picture of your strengths and your weaknesses. And that leads us into week two to eight of your plan. And that is game development. So during those six weeks out of our 12 weeks, what you're going to focus on is improvement of your weaknesses. And you're going to focus on keeping your strengths sharp. So we have, uh, if, you do, if you do your job in week, week one and week two, you have a very clear picture of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. By the way, I highly recommend you use video for all those matches. Watch as much of them as you can so that you have a third-person per, third perspective. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times, it's, I'm just going to make it my goal to just say this in every single podcast episode. Uh, you just need to have that third-person perspective because your internal experience more than likely is very different from what's happening in reality. So do yourself a favor and at least one or two of your matches that you, you go out and play for evaluational purposes, record it and watch it. It'll open up a whole different perspective to you. And so after you're done with that, you should have a clear picture of your strengths and your weaknesses. And during the six weeks between week two and week eight, I want you, uh, I recommend that you spend 80% of your time improving your weaknesses. That means changing your swings to be fundamentally more sound than they currently are. It, makes making, it means making technical improvements. And, and the only way that's going to happen is through purposeful practice, focused practice repetitions, and use video as much as humanly possible so that you're aware of where you're starting from and you have a, maybe a pro comparison of kind of uh, your ideal where you're headed, and you can actually track your practice. Imagine that. And know whether or not your technical uh, patterns are actually getting any better, objectively speaking, and not just guessing based on how it feels. So 80% of your time, and get on the court as much as possible during those six weeks and create a plan to follow. Uh, if, if you don't have one, uh, we have a, a free resource at tennispracticeplan.com. Tennispracticeplan.com. That's a good place to start. The other 20% of your time, use to sh- keep your strengths sharp and confident. So it could be against a hitting partner with cooperative drills, uh, could be with a ball machine, could be a coach feeding you. What I don't recommend during those six weeks is doing much competitive hitting. I would avoid competition at all costs during those six weeks and focus exclusively on game development, meaning making changes. The reason for that is, as soon as you go to play a competitive point, you will automatically and naturally revert back to your comfort zone. And what is your comfort zone? Your old, tired habits. The very technical patterns that we're trying to change. And so 
if uh, you practice once per week on game development and then you play one match per week, I can virtually guarantee you plateau during those six weeks. You'll work hard during your, your practice session. Uh, you'll, you'll really mean it. You, you could be very focused and really spend your time wisely. But as soon as you walk back out onto the court for your, your match, you'll go right back to what you know already works. One time per week is not enough to develop a brand new habit in a forehand or a serve or a volley. And so you'll cycle back and forth between uh, great practice and then a match where you go right back to your old way of hitting. So I recommend that for those six weeks of game development, you do little to no competitive hitting. Just focus on game development. Okay, so 80% of your time improving weaknesses, 20% of your time keeping your strengths sharp and confident. And then that brings us to week 12, I'm sorry, eight through 12, the final four weeks. So you've made some improvements. We've left your comfort zone. You've worked hard to start developing new habits, uh, doing different things, fundamentally better swing paths and fundamentally better movement patterns what you were doing before. So now during those last four weeks leading up to the tournament, I recommend that you leave that hardcore development phase and you go back to competition. Transition back to competition. Play as many matches as you can again against a lot of different players and see which things stuck. So maybe you had three different weaknesses that you were working on, making changes. Uh, you worked on just keeping your, your, uh, your strengths sharp and confident. Maybe just one or two of those uh, technical changes will stick when you go back to match play. And the, the third one, you kind of go back to your old habit. You know what? It's still time very well spent. Don't feel frustrated or bad about that. It's super, super common. And it just means that you needed a longer period of time to, to actually make all three of those habits stick. Maybe that third habit was a, an especially tricky one. Uh, it was especially hard for you to be aware of what the better technique was. And so you just didn't quite pick it up as quickly. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. Uh, realize that in that specific example, you've got two new habits that you can now take into a match and you've become a fundamentally better tennis player. It was time very well spent. So during those four weeks, transition back into competition play, continue to evaluate yourself closely, see what improvements stuck and which didn't, and now in week 13, you go into battle to the tournament with a very clear picture of what you own right now and what you don't own, what, what is truly a habit that you don't have to think about anymore and what is not. And the things that are not true habits for you do not have to think about them anymore, just let them go. Put them, on, put them uh, over on the side of the road. You can pick them up again later when you don't have to worry about your results again. But if you take those projects into that tournament, I can promise you your results will not be as good as they could be. Even if, even if that new habit is much better than your old one, if it's not a habit that has stuck, then you'll be uncomfortable flip-flopping back and forth between your two different swings, and that is not any way to be comfortable and play winning tennis. So the things that haven't truly stuck, let them go and go into battle with the things that you know you own right then and there. That's your plan. That's your 12-week plan, Richard. I hope that's super, super helpful. Uh, and Focus is critical here. Uh, during the evaluatory phase initially, really important so that you get a clear picture of what's going on. Uh, during the game development phase, really, really critical so you don't waste your time. 
and then during the the final transition period into competition again super super important that you're you're focused you pay close attention and be honest with yourself about what's working and what's not so that you can you can go into battle with the best tools that you could possibly put in your toolbox and not shaky ones that could possibly let you down so there's your periodization plan richard this is how i recommend you use your your next three months. And if you're listening right now and your name isn't Richard, you can use these same principles. You know, I I don't know what your calendar looks like. I don't know how much time you have to devote to improvement. I don't I don't know what your uh preferences for improvement versus Uh, results versus wins. Maybe you're hardcore one or the other. You need to answer those questions for yourself and then use the same principles that we just talked about and apply them to your specific situation. If you do so, I can promise you much more success, much more satisfaction, much more fun on the tennis court because you'll be spending all of your time in a very purposeful way and you'll find much more success on the court and whatever success means for you. We're all a little bit different in that way. And again, make sure you go to tennispracticeplan.com to give yourself a little bit of a jump start there. Uh, we'll give you a step-by-step practice plan to follow. You can, you can t- uh, tweak it and make it and kind of personalize it depending on what your strengths and weaknesses are, but it's a, a really good structure uh, that, that you can tweak for your, your own needs and a free resource that will give much more focus, much more purpose to every ball that you hit on the courts. A little bit longer episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a question like Richard that you'd like me to answer in a future episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast, you can send that directly to me at ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out essentialtennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.